Recently we were at a summit, well I was at a summit, Sandy was off gallivanting in Fiji, and had a conversation with Tom Hill. Tom Hill is an amazing leader. He is a, it, it's almost a joke that he's sort of the Pied Piper of this amazing network of people. And Tom is a life coach. Tom really wants people to strive to be better, to be more. So what happened at the event that you weren't there, but I'll kind of fill in, we've talked about briefly, is I started telling about my story, about how we, him knowing us for many, many years now, and I think each, and I, each of us has been to a dozen summits at least over the years, so we've interacted with him many, many times. And then we've done some other stuff, and we've traveled to see him, and we've traveled with him to other places, and so we have, we have a pretty good history. And I think that's, that's important to the, to the story, to the, because as we've reflected on what's changed in our lives, Tom Hill creates a, a significant piece of that. I mean, what he's brought into our lives directly and indirectly is really important. So what I wanted to do now is to sort of share, as I was sharing with him, what's happened to our business. And kind of, I want to give just a brief history of sort of how I came to be in the pool business. But I think the most of what we want to talk about is the day that Dick Burke was in our office and kind of go from there in terms of how things have changed. And why that's important is because Tom, as asking that question, then also said, if you had a crystal ball, and you could see what he should do with Arete and the Tom Hill Network and that. He said, I would like you to frame it, Tom, if I were you, I would fill in the blank. Now, what he also said was, there are no toes to step on. Because I, knowing how much we've involved and how many people have invested their time and money and energy to try to create things and help take this amazing network of people to a much larger scale, I also know how sensitive it can be. So I want to be sensitive to that, but on the same token, I, I think that Tom would want us to be honest. But this first section, let's talk a little bit about kind of the history of the company. And let's let's do a brief, and maybe you could do a brief how you got here, and I'll do a brief how I got here. We met at that, uh, when, when Dick Burke was in our office and we were doing the presentation, and then we'll kind of go through that quickly to let them know what's happened with our story and and this is again will just end up being a part of a one of our you know one of our weekly things that we're going to put out on the internet as a uh, you know as a podcast but this one specifically is framed around Tom Hill and what's happened in our lives and then how is that relevant to him I think that's the really interesting point is that when we describe our story what he wants to do from an online presence this becomes very relevant to him because of what we've found our entire business comes from online now. So maybe share just kind of your background pool store, where you, you know, how, how you got to there, and I'll tell my quick story, and then we'll get on with, with kind of what's happened, the crazy awesomeness that's happened since having met Tom Hill. Okay. So this is Al, and I'm Sandy, and this one is for you, Tom Hill. So my background, just really briefly, I joined the pool company 11 years ago now. Something like that. Yep. Um, prior to becoming involved in the pool industry, my background was in real estate and in office management, basically. And there was an opportunity to get involved with the pool company, uh, which I did about 11 years ago. And at that time, it looked nothing like it looks today. 
There was a pool store, there was service, there was construction. It was a company that did more pools, built more pools than it does now, but it was much simpler construction, simpler in the scope of the projects, not in the way that the company was running. We'll get into that a little bit. And it also had a retail store, um, and I did some service with the company for a while. And when I joined the company, there was a lot of transition happening in my life. It was the perfect fit for a short amount of time at the beginning. And then when I started looking at my life, it didn't fit for what I wanted to do. The, the vision of me at that time, I had probably been with the company uh, a few years, a couple years at that point. The thought of the future and being a pool girl forever and being in a retail store or running the company the way that it was, it was not on my wish list of things to do. So that prompted some discussions between Al and I in terms of what else could we do and I'll let him jump in with the part of his story where at the same time that I was projecting being a pool girl forever was not in my dreams, it actually wasn't in his dreams either. So I joined the company 11 years ago initially working for Al and then we partnered, then we partnered eventually. So. Well, at that same time that you were recognizing that maybe it's not what you wanted to do for the rest of your life and that would you really want to do this, I had been that for so long that I was very much burned out. How and long had you been in the pool industry before I joined the company? I was pro probably uh, 15, 16, 17, 17 years probably before you. I had already had that as a history and I was, I was tired of doing what we were always doing the way that we were doing it. And the company was drastically different. Now you were very politically correct in saying, oh, it wasn't quite what it is now. It was a train wreck. Just waiting to happen. I was a train wreck waiting to happen. And I didn't know any different other than continue to throw mud against the wall and hope some of it would stick. So when you came, so let's that's talk, where I was at. So I think a little part of the reason that you were a train wreck, if you're going to call it that, is because you didn't have a sphere that you could go to for business advice and help. I know that you said a lot in the early days, you got involved as a company owner because the opportunity came up to buy the company, but you didn't have training, you didn't have a network, you were kind of doing everything that you could and you did a great job for a long time without any kind of plan or help or support system. Yeah, it's not like I started the company and grew the company. Instead, I was a college kid working my way through college, doing my thing, started my master's, stayed on with the company, dropped out of my master's, and started out to help out at home. And lo and behold, in those years of having done that, then start a young family, all of that happening, still not knowing where I was really going, the previous owner had health challenges and needed to get out. And I'm a gutsy enough guy to say, I'll try anything. And he came to me and said, I want you to buy me out. Here's how we can make it happen. And I had nothing. I had no ability to buy the company. I had no money. I had no anything. I was just sort of jamming my way through life the best I could. And all of a sudden, wham, here's this opportunity to buy a company. Didn't know how it was going to happen, and, and it happened anyway. And now I'm this young owner of a company with no experience, with no ability, and no one to turn to. And I think that's where what our story becomes is creating that system for other people to come to when they're struggling in business. And I, I've used the term many times of feeling like I was just that beacon in the middle of the ocean, floating all by myself, blinking away, hoping that the help would come, 
but I was just following the waves that are, you know, like the, the Gulf Stream would push me north and push me south and push me east and, with no guidance. That was the train wreck. Was I was just doing everything I could, gasping for air, throwing more and more mud against the wall, hoping that each time I did it, I could learn. And I think that experience for me helped me realize that an awful lot of people get into a business and that's all they know because maybe they turned a hobby into a business and all of a sudden all these business experiences they have to they're supposed to be proficient at, they're not. I was proficient at very little. I knew how to build a pool and fortunately I had the gift of gab enough to talk people into the product that I had. And we sold a lot of stuff, but I didn't know how to price it. I didn't know really how to give good customer service. I was struggling just to survive. And when you came along, I remember one of those very first times you came into the store and were working the store, you asked me the question, who are you accountable to? And my initial reaction is, who's this young punk girl questioning my manly authority? But what you were asking was a really valid question. Because now you were running the store and you had all of these people to answer to that you were giving them, here's what's going to happen. And then I was, on my end, which I was supposed to be helping, I was not delivering. And that net result was, here we are, now what? And you're going, who are you accountable to? I, I tell people you're going to be there and you don't show up because you don't want to. And, and, and you challenged that authority in me, which was a perfect thing. And I imagine being in your head, you weren't in a place to go, well, I'm an authority to do this. Instead, it was you felt passionately enough about it. And I think that was really important because that allowed me to go, whoa, why am I doing what I'm doing? And that also got me to start thinking about the train wreck that the company was. But the interim of that, then, as, as that came through, as we worked through some of that, was I was burned out. I was done. And then as you were, you came on and you, you headed an all-female crew for a while and you were working and, and it made more sense, ultimately, to partner. Because I had the go out there and work my butt off mentality, but I had no business sense. I really didn't know what I was doing. And you brought this amazing sense of business together. And the smartest thing that I ever did was say, figure out how we could partner and make, make it work. Because you brought that to me. And I think it was really important because I was on my way out. So to put a timeline to this, it was probably 2006, 2007 mm -hmm. was really when you were kind of hitting a roadblock in yourself and wanting to get out. And that was probably the same time that I was really having those mm -hmm. thoughts, like pool girl for the rest of my life. Did I really want that? Yeah, no. Well. So that led us to think, I think, independently about what each of us wanted to see for the future. And for me at that time, it was not the pool business. It was something more business related. And then through some of our discussions, you and I decided that launching a business, small business incubator, mastermind, think tank arena was something that we both wanted to do. And it gave us hope for the future in creating something that we could still kind of be in charge of our own destiny. We could be entrepreneurs in that sense. Um, although the way that we went about that was a little bit interesting when we tell the story now. It was. I, I think, too, that I know that I, having felt like that floating out in the ocean all by myself thing, knowing the importance of creating a space that people could get together and talk. I've been a Think and Grow Rich Napoleon Hill uh, fanatic for years. I'd read the book many times and, and understood 
in, in, in mentally what masterminding was, but really not knowing what it meant to bring people together until we sort of came up with that insights group mentality, which is where Tom met us initially through insights group. And our intentions for that wasn't to be social media coaches, which did we become, but it was how can we bring people together to talk about the day-to-day -day issues that happen in companies because I don't care what the company is, it has the same problems. It's a different product, but the, the process of understanding it is pretty close to the same. And that allowed us to, you know, we went out on a limb. And when we found this great big building with really no means to, to support it or to pay for it with no business idea of how we were going to make money, but we just sort of both jumped in and said, let's do it. Well, the net result, too, though, was this building had these little office spaces in it, or pre-made offices, that all of a sudden became our co-working facility. We saw that before, and, and I was doing the research, when we started Insights, we were one of the first 15 co-working facilities in the United States. And there's, I think, 15,000 now. We were literally at the very beginning. We were building it as the idea was just coming. We already were doing that. We were and tapped into the thinking stuff. We were, we were totally in the thinking stuff, and that's when we when we worked our way through that, we didn't know how to sell it. We didn't know how to market it because no one knew anything about it. Today, a whole lot easier story to open a co-working facility and be able to get people through the doors. We didn't have that. Yeah. But what we did have, or what you noticed, or what you saw in that, I remember day one, we had this great big building and hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of lease payments to make with no idea how we were going to bring people in, and yet you saw it in Facebook, and you saw it in LinkedIn as these brand new tools Facebook literally just coming out of the colleges back in the day when, when people used to post their, uh, you know, their schedules on Facebook so they could hook up with their friends between classes, and you saw that as a tool of connecting people, and which, you know, tell that story how that led into this whirlwind of social media coaching, which everything we taught then is still very relevant today because we were philosophy people, we weren't mechanical how tos, we were instead the philosophy of it. But you saw that, I didn't. You shared that with me, and I was the old school guy that came kicking and screaming but realized, wow, this is a tool. Well, my background was business administration, a little bit of psychology, and I absolutely loved marketing. And when we started the Insights Group in 2008, we were faced with, we opened this because we had a dream. We didn't have necessarily a strong revenue model, nor did we have an elaborate plan of how it was going to happen. It really grew kind of organically from inside of our desire to make a difference in the world. So we had originally started putting on events to bring people together and have conversations to kind of get people to start opening their mind to new opportunities. And early on we did utilize a lot of email, we utilized the social networks, and we began to create the story of what we were doing. We had no plans of being coaches, like Al had said, but through what we were doing, we were inspiring people and they were asking, what are you doing and how can we learn to do what you're doing? So we very organically started to become coaches and teachers and we launched a series of classes and boot camps, as we called them, trying to give everybody all the knowledge that we had that got us to where we were. So we talked a little bit in those days about the pool company, but not a lot. We kind of avoided it, but Al had those years of that business experience behind him. I had the experience in the real estate fields and in working in offices, and we combined that knowledge, and it was infused with 
um, tapping into that thinking stuff, the, the Napoleon Hill and the you know Wallace Waddles, which became more important to us later, we we're kind of you know taking those initial steps into that realm of kind of possibilities there. And then it was, I think after we had had Insights open for about a year or so that we met Brett Blair and then subsequently met Tom Hill, which introduced us to this whole world of people around the country that were also doing what we had been doing, but on a, a much bigger and grander scale. So that was really one of those key pieces that illustrated for us an example of uh, performing at another level that we were striving to, you know, become better ourselves so that we could see ourselves more, you know, in that place. And I think a lot of people in the Tom Hill circle would say the same thing. And I've heard, um, you know, maybe Oprah Winfrey say it too, that wherever you are, you always imagine that you're not good enough to be in that room. And I know that the first, you know, interaction that we had with the Tom Hill Network, we felt honored to be a part of it. And then there was always this piece of us, though, maybe that little doubt inside that said, am I even qualified? Am I, am I even worthy enough to be here? And the good news about the group is it's it was only ourselves that, that were making us, us that feel us. like that. Mm -hmm. It wasn't anybody in the group because everybody is so validating and so welcoming and so wonderful that we began to really pay attention to what other people were doing. And because Al and I have between us the capacity to mastermind with each other, I think we really started to grow exponentially through that because I could go to an event and I could have a conversation and it you know only processed so far with me and then Al could go to the same event have his own interaction with it and then we could talk about it and that ability to talk about it helped to begin to expand just everything about the trajectory that we were on so at the time insights grew us as much as we grew it and we talk about it as our education in building a network, building a social network, in storytelling and the ability to craft messages in a way that resonated with people. So it was really an amazing set of experiences. Yeah, the journey was phenomenal. So we've basically gotten to the point of we've started Insights, we have this really cool thing going, people are asking us about how we're doing what we're doing. You had all but walked away from the pool company Almost. at that point. Yep. Yeah, I, I think what was happening, the pool company, I tried everything I possibly could to basically put it to bed, and it wouldn't go away. We know that we had, we had a great reputation. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a matter of we weren't doing good work or that we weren't uh, that we weren't liked in the community. We were. We had a huge group of people that wanted us to keep working for them. But I had lost the love for it because it really wasn't filling spiritually who I was and emotionally who I was and mentally who I was. And, and financially. It and financially, it was it, it always made money, but it somehow, I know for me, the money didn't matter. It, it, was, it, it. it wasn't worth it, no matter how much money we made. And at, certainly at that point, I had made tons of money and lost tons of money. I mean, I'm, I've been really good at producing and really good at losing. I've made a lot of mistakes and a lot of whatever. And I know during that period of time, we still had this pool company that was going and that we could it wouldn't go away. I mean, there was probably years where we didn't market a penny toward it and it just kept coming. Of course, that was good because it helped fund, in a lot of cases, what we now can look back at as our education. The Insights Group, I mean, that was what offset a lot of the cost of us just surviving and living and raising families and things. But it, there was no... There was no connection to it. There was no spiritual anything. I didn't. I it was. It was. It was hurting me, 
every day doing it was hurting me because the focus was wrong and, and everything about it was wrong. But coming through that experience, then meeting Brett and talking with Brett and showing him kind of what we were doing and teaching in social media, Brett was the guy that came along that said, okay, I buy in, let's go. And he just went about doing it, which then leads us to meeting Tom Hill and the growth from there. And certainly that first summit we went to was intimidating. Not like we didn't already have two really great companies going and not like we hadn't made lots of money and lost lots of money like a lot of people in the room. But in that moment, I was at a fairly low spot of self-worth that, okay, so who, what is it in me that allowed me to go out there and work hard and make a lot of money and then lose tons of money and then make a lot of money? So I was kind of at a mentally low spot of who, who am I as a person? Not what I'm capable of, because it had been proven that if I could just have gotten on that road and traveled that road, I would have made it, but it wasn't fulfilling me at all. And being a philosophy guy, spiritual guy, thinking deeper guy, it wasn't satisfying enough. And the net result is I'd rather not do it at all if I could be fulfilled spiritually, mentally, emotionally. Sure, financially, and that's a piece of it, but that was far, that was not it. I was, that wasn't the reason to do what we were doing at the time. Moving on from there, though, is we meet Tom, we go to some of these summits, we're interacting with people. Of course, at that time, we're in this whirlwind of traveling the country and coaching people in social media and the importance of social media and why we should do it and, and all of that stuff. We're using it within the scope of insights, but we're absolutely ignoring it with the pool company because even though the pool company really was driving the dollars that allowed a lot of that to happen, it wasn't I, fun. It wasn't fun at all, and, no. and, and it should be. And it's an industry it. that should be fun and didn't love it at all. Found there was, there was no dream or desire to do it each and every day. Instead, it felt worse. And at the beginning of participating with the summits, I don't even think we mentioned the pool company. No. I think we avoided it just because it was, yeah, the, the wheels were all out of balance in that case. Mm -hmm. You know, when you talk spiritual, emotional, financial... Just, it. it was it was a heap it was a pile of kind was of a, debris at that it was, point. It was a money machine yeah. because it, the business can make a ton of money. Yeah. But it was it was a the rest pile of, the of it, yeah the rest of it was crumbling line. because yeah. it wasn't working. Yeah. And it certainly looking at it then it fueled and allowed us to grow as people and and allowed our education to happen within that insights realm. But then the magical day happened, and it was magic and cursed all at the same time yeah. when Brett had his action board, and a bunch of these amazing Tom Hill people came to town. Amazing, successful, mm -hmm. going places, you mm -hmm. know, they spent and, and also currently successful. Yeah. I mean, I had, I had known what success was, and I had been from the biggest pool company in the metro Detroit area to feeling like the smallest, and I never was any of that. I was... Certainly one of the biggest, but I was never one of the smallest, but I felt like I was. It was it was me feeling not so good about me. And then these guys come into town, which we all held in great esteem because they all deserve it. Yeah. And that fateful day, the comment comes in, you know. Right, so we had gotten together with the group. Brett had borrowed our space for a little bit that day so they could have a meeting. So we gave them a tour of our place, which, you know, come to find out, you know, people are finding it super cool, and then we've been to their super cool offices, too. So that was quite a compliment. And then we got together with them for about an hour or so, maybe 
to talk about social media and what we had been doing with Insights and why it was important for kind of corporate executives, company owners to become involved in it. And it was mostly conversation style, it wasn't lecture class style, you know, by design. And in that meeting, we had been talking about it and how important it was, and one of the people um, listening and participating had learned about the pool company. And yeah, because we weren't hiding it. It's, yeah. it we, weren't, we would say, well, we have this other company, but it wasn't, like, significant at the yeah. moment. It was really the revenue generator. It was really those things, but we didn't, we were no longer connected to it. We were simply but using we were it as a tool. But we were downplaying it at that point. We certainly because were. We wanted insights and philosophy and inspiring thought to be and the mastermind for the and the social media and the co-working yeah. and all of so those things that purpose. it was. It was, and he had said, you know, right in there in the meeting. So Dick Burke, Dick who, Burke. We, who we love to this day, and also, you know, and during that meeting, he was a little he was gruff. opinionated. He was, yeah. he was. He was. Yeah. Come to find out, they were pretty tough on Brett and everything, which that's what the action which is board good. is all about. Yeah. It is really that's good. What it's for. Although it, you know, in the moment when you're there, it, it hurts a little sometimes sure. because sure. you're emotionally kind of tied to mm -hmm. what you're doing, which is the the great reason to have an action board because it can open some objectivity and jar you out yeah. of that that yeah. thinking and get you or out whatever. of your rut, mm -hmm. really. Well, when Dirk, you know, that's one of those moments that changes a person's life. And you never know where it's going to come from. And, and I had some pretty significant things that have changed my life, but that was one of those when, when Dirk, Dick Burke just sort of blurted out. And, and it was crude, and, you know, there's times you can get a little rough. And he said, if you're so bleeping, bleeping good at this social media stuff, why aren't you using it for your pool company? And it was sort of like a, a punch to the stomach. And I know how I felt about the pool company. And I know that... No matter what we were doing in that moment, it didn't want it to be the pool company to be a part of our lives, and and it was sort of one of those. <gasps> Quite moments. frankly, it didn't affect me the way it affected mm -hmm. you. I mm -hmm. kind of tried to ignore mm -hmm. that I had heard it mm -hmm. because I wasn't as emotional about the pool company, well, and I didn't have the history. Sure, with and it you had you, you had a number of years into it, but here I had this was almost life. a course of twenty years, my entire adult life. I think yeah. I was. I was 17 or 18 years old when I started doing pool-related things. And, and it was a kick to me, like, well, why aren't I doing it? And if you think it's so important. And so I played that in my head, and, and it was, I did my best to ignore it. And I simply said to someone next to me, you know, I'm just, just burned out of the pool company. I remember that part saying, I'm just burned out. I just don't know. And that was the beginning because I, it, it, it was in there. It was that seed that eventually, it took probably two months. It was a while because it started going. It, it started going right away, but it wasn't strong enough. But it, it was waking me up at night, and I was thinking about it, and I was wondering about it. And I think it was a couple months later. It was quite a while later that I remember coming to you and saying, "You know, remember this," and we kind of relived the story. And that was the birth of if we were to do this the way we would want it to be. Because we have this great business that's, that's dying. I mean, it's dying on the vine. There's almost nothing left of it, but it's still making money. But what if we decided to do what we loved to do and only what we loved to do? And it took a little, there was a little evolutionary process in there. We just ramped it back up to make some quick cash. And we and that was easy yeah. because we had the tools of all the marketing and everything else. But I remember in that first six months of the re revision of what the company could be, we did our tic-tac-toe board over and over and over, which prior to that, we had 
gone through that process of learning what our, our the marketing style was, and it took a little while, but we at that point had the tools we needed. That was where insights became the education and the internet and understanding the psychology of people and psychology of the internet. And neither you nor I really had the, the skills to code websites or to a, a lot of those pieces, but we had the understanding of people. You with a psychology degree, me with just uh, having been in business for so long dealing with people, is how can we move people in a way that makes sense? And that was the beginning of what's this whirlwind life that we've led since. That was the very humble beginnings was how can we take this company that now exists that's just a shadow of what it was. It was just a fraction of the size company that it had been. And how could we turn that into this vehicle to absolutely fall in love with every day? Yeah. And that's kind of what happened. That is. It, that's exactly what happened. When we gave it a go again, I know we had a few different ideas about the path that it could take. And we tried something and it worked, but it didn't, didn't make good, us though. happy. It mm -hmm. didn't feel good. So then we decided to try it again in another way. And we were just talking, there was a pool customer that had come in this week who had been referred to us by someone who Al had built a pool for in that really kind of vulnerable place. And it was probably 2009, and I, I joked a little bit with this um, new customer that we have that if you had put a camera on the house when Al was building that pool, it was Al and a dude and a wheelbarrow. And there is so much concrete in that yard, there's probably close to a million pounds of concrete that was hand-mixed and hand-wheeled. So I can now look at that as, you know, Al was kind of this artist and this business guy. He was emerging from his, his dark period or his blue period. Very, very dark period. And yeah. it was at the time that we were making the decisions to be completely different and completely crazy because we were going to only do things that made us happy and only work with people who made us happy. And... You know, he and a dude with a wheelbarrow created this amazing work of art, which really marks a substantial shift in the energy of everything that the pool company stood for. Well, think about through those years, we were still, as much as I was running away from it, we were doing good work. It was still really, it was, it was way better. The projects were still way better than what was being sold on the market. If we go through those years, if we paid attention to who we built for in those years, it was really spectacular stuff comparative compared to what was being built in the industry around us. We were still doing this great stuff, but it, but there wasn't the same emotional connection to it. It didn't feel good. It didn't feel right. It, it was still this thing that I had to do versus thing that I loved to do. And that particular project that you joke about me and a wheelbarrow and one other guy, I was finding this love for expressing myself. And it was using it in such a way that I that I could use materials that I wanted to use because I wanted to use them in, in a way that I wanted to use them that no one else would use them. And there's buildings, there's there's you know, there's a bar there, there's a shaded area. That was all built by me and myself and basically my shoulder holding boards up while I screwed them in. I mean, it, re it really was that much and you joke about having a camera over it and it would have just been me going shoo, 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 shoo. because 80% of the days there was just me. 20% was another guy with me helping me do the stuff, and we built this incredible yard. Well, and luckily the timing was right, too, and the customer was mellow, and, mm -hmm. you know, whether, all the whether right they things. noticed that at the time or not, or whether they had thought you were rolling into their yard with a huge crew full of people, it just worked out that there wasn't 
this pressure to be anything other than you were at that time, which was, I think, a real discovery mm -hmm. period. And that is also one of the pools where Al started doing some of the first video work himself, first which videos. was a little random and a little awkward, but he would grab the camera and he would walk around the pool and he would do kind of this selfie video and that, you know, everything vintage becomes popular again, so we do still share that. That was him taking some of what we knew from the insights world and plugging it into the pool world and loving kind of the feeling and how he was able to capture that and really that became the springboard that project became the springboard and the attitudes about that project became what we were able to use going forward and the challenge that Dick Burke had given you that day became you know kind of this thing that like you fought not against it but because it had been presented in such a way it was almost like this challenge had been thrown down mm -hmm. and it was either walk away from the challenge or accept the challenge and kind of like, we'll show you. And well, that's part of what else kind of gave it that initial burst of energy. Well, recognize this well. The, think about, I, I, I rolled myself back to where was he at at that moment that he said that. He had just sold a company, so he was sitting on a pile of cash trying to figure out what his life was going to be. And here's us talking about this importance of doing this thing that he'd never heard about. And he's still trying to figure out what he's doing. And maybe if he was rolling along in the next company, he never would have thought that way. But I'm so glad he was in the place that he was at. Because it forced me to go to think about what I was doing. And then the opportunity came, like that particular project, where it allowed me to express who I was as a person. Because I wanted to, and because I felt that way, and because it was my labor and my hard work. It had been like that for years. But it was like a thing we're supposed to do. This became me. And it became me expressing me in a way because we had made some decisions about let's do what we love to do. Let's figure that out. Let's not just do work to do work. Instead, this is a customer I could really, really love. Mm -hmm. And I know that first meeting with them, I knew I could love them. And the net result of knowing I could love them, it allowed me to sort of find the space to do that. And course the rest became history in that respect. Well and also because you were able to go through that discovery process and because my role with the company and the business you know my title is coordinator of everything so everything short of ever picking up a shovel kind of falls over into my camp with a, a ton of input from you was because you were falling in love with the process and you were loving it it allowed us to create more content and more marketing and capture more of the story that I was able to start using in all the ways that we had been telling the, the story about story. insights. Mm -hmm. So instead of, you know, any, we kind of threw out every philosophy that we had held before about marketing the pool company and we started using everything with the new energy and we were able to utilize the videos because the project was so spectacular compared to anything, like everything before was absolutely wonderful but if you look but at it on same. a scale, like it was a pivotal shift that happened at that point. So we had a, a new, we had a new product. The hybrid pools were really becoming popular at that point because we were loving it and we were able to embrace how all these elements came together. So it refreshed this energy in us and the ability to tell the story, which is where I was able to begin getting really excited because the quality of what we were doing was better. We were able to talk about it in a new way. And we really kind of started honing in on those philosophies of loving the customers. No more, or, you know, a little bit, it took a transition, but no more did we anticipate years down the road having to answer the phone 
nervous about who was on the other end because we weren't sure if they would be happy or if they'd be grumpy or if, because the new philosophy was everybody's going to be happy all the time. If they're not, it's going to be so easy to figure out how to make it better that it just all felt better. And that really got me, you know, like zesty well, inside. Well, it, it took you away from that thing about having to do this pool business thing that was just hurting us to instead how can we figure out how to create better customer service because we love it, not because we're supposed to. There was a whole lot of before was because business school would tell you to do it or or your mentor would tell you to do it or, or whatever would tell you tell you you're supposed to. Instead, this was a blank slate blank of slate. Yeah. if I could love to create better customer service, what would it look like? Because yeah. we'd given up on the customer service part because we were it was killing us. But all of a sudden, we were choosing customer service, and I could see that in you, that shift in you from, yeah, I guess I'm going to be a pool girl for a while still to, wow, every day is magic, and every day is something new, and how can I use this tool of the Internet? How can I use social media? How can these videos that we're doing mean something and become significant? And that was a big thing as well as, for me, like you're talking about that first project, me walking around with a camera on me. That was such radically new way of, of being for me as a person that what if I could do that and my words meant something. I feel it's important to add at this point too part of that kind of a, a nugget for anybody who might find themselves in this position is that's really when we gave ourselves permission to say no and to charge more because before that I think we had a little bit of well, we're supposed to do what everybody else is doing we're supposed to say yes to everything. We should keep our prices in line with what other people are doing. And be and, competitive. And be, and, and be whatever. And because we made all these conscious decisions, we let go of being afraid of growing. And the growth included saying no to things that we wanted to say no to, saying yes to things that we loved, and also charging what we were worth instead of what we thought we were supposed to do. Part of what happened, and I don't know where it came from. I don't know where we got gutsy enough to say that this is the way that it's going to be, but we gave ourselves permission to say no when we wanted to say no, say yes when we really wanted to, and charge more for everything that we were doing to be willing to do it. Because prior to that, you know, there's there's the industry standard and you kind of we thought about what other people were charging and how we could stay in line and how we could not rock the boat for fear of money drying up and when we made that shift when we decided it's okay if people say no we're going to charge what we charge we're going to give great service and we can't cut prices to make great service happen we have to feel good about it because sometimes if you sell something and you don't get enough money for it you feel resentful you feel you know like the fear part of you doesn't engage because, yeah, you have work, but then the resentful part of you engages because, well, I'm doing this work, but I really should have gotten more, and why didn't I charge more? And instead, we started charging what we felt was warranted for the work, and we became okay with people saying, I can get it cheaper somewhere else, and we said, that's absolutely fine. And I think simultaneously what probably helped us with that is because we were using the video, we were using social media, we were doing very strategic marketing to people with pools, we didn't have to worry that too many people would say no because there was like plenty of people contacting us, so much so that we got really good at 
becoming very specific at the things we wanted to do because there were still a lot of opportunities coming up that we could do everything. And part of that great customer service was starting to look at ourselves and say, what can we be just exemplary at? Instead of just offering good, adequate customer service, let's hone in on those areas where we can be extra special and then be willing to say no to the stuff that felt average and had average prices. A lot of that, too, I think comes in as, as we've talked in many times in the past about our tic-tac-toe board and that organic marketing part is the center square of the tic-tac-toe is you. Who are you and what are you all about? And that's somewhere, some place, that's, that in our marketing, that's where we've spent most of our time is truly understanding us. What's the culture of our company and what do we want to be and how do we feel do we about feel everything? About and that's, I think, in, in, a, in a much bigger sense, business school and getting very mechanical about how things operate and how businesses work, I think so much of that is missed because it's about numbers and it's about scale and it's about production and it's about all those things, those measurable things. And it's not easy to measure emotions and measure who you are from a culture standpoint and who you are from all of those, and yet... What we keep seeing happening in our business is we're going against the normal of all of that and saying, we don't want to be big. We want to be a boutique firm that does incredibly awesome things, and it doesn't matter if it scales huge or not, we're going to make more money scaling it smaller because our worth goes way up and our value goes way up, and it's pure economics. A huge demand and a tiny supply allows the price to go through the roof, and that's certainly what we've seen over the last couple of years is that demand for what we do, which now is a great place to talk about the online world. Yeah. Because that's something that most traditional businesses are still struggling with and they're spending tons of money on brand management and, and helping their way through it, which is better than not doing it. But what we've found is that is our business. Our business is all online. Yeah. And we've been able to identify now that we only take business that comes from online. So the quick two-minute synopsis of what's this organic marketing tic-tac-toe thing that we keep talking about is in one of our mastermind meetings one day, I kind of tuned out of the meeting and what was perplexing me that day was how to make marketing simple and how to help people understand how online related to offline and how the influence of people could happen. So I zoned out for a while in that meeting and I was writing in my kind of journal pad that I had with me and the thought that I had was how can we make this simple and I found myself drawing a tic-tac-toe board and I was filling in the squares with concepts that plugged into those spaces to help explain this and I was so in the zone that during the meeting I don't even remember what else was going on I stood up I went to the whiteboard I put it on the whiteboard I didn't say anything and I sat back down and that was really the invention the download the inspiration like the accumulation of all of my you know training and experiences to that point coming together in this in this thing that was just born that day it was it's more than a thing it's a brilliant map a brilliant tool to get anyone to understand either marketing or as a matter of fact, today you and I had the conversation that we're going to do this Friday with a group of people in our company about what the culture of how 
they should handle customers is. Let's use this tool of the tic-tac-toe board to go through the how the how philosophy. The, the philosophy of how we expect as a company expect they can grow and mm -hmm. interact with mm -hmm. customers mm -hmm. to make the experience amazing every amazing. time. Well, and that's what we've strived for continuously from day one is how can we continually push ourselves to be better, to be cooler, to be more fun, to be more engaging, to have this amazing experience, which, you know, I like I was telling the customer the other day how I pinch myself every day going, really, me? Am I worthy of this? Because it is that awesome. And at the same time, he was looking at Al saying, and I pinch myself every day that I get to do what I do. Which so is really cool because in that particular really case, he zoned right into yeah. having this high-profile very well known, you know, fame kind of a position, yeah. and he was feeling the same way about it. Yeah. So what I'm I'm struggling with because so much, such amazing stuff has happened to us as a net result of recognizing that our entire future was built from an online perspective versus a traditional referral-based, which is what most companies work on is powerful referrals, go to any networking group today and they'll talk about, well, the, the, the basis of this is you know to get referrals and get to whatever. We don't do that from the traditional sense. We very much want people to find us online and engage and spend hours with us online before we meet them. So share a little bit about that from your perspective and then I'll share mine in terms of how that happens or why that's important. Well, when we became really excited about the company, we started doing everything we could to capture as many of those elements as we could. So video and blogging and photographs and communicating with the world about what we had to offer. And when you go through the tic-tac-toe board, there's spaces on the board for who you are, who your target audience is, how they think what you want your company or your yourself, your aura to kind of uh, portray to the world, how you connect with people, how you utilize online social media, how you align with other people, what kind of traditional stuff do you need to make this happen, and all roads lead home. And the most important part of this whole thing we found was the online presence, and that really became the, the portal, the, the online real estate where we could put everything that we were, everything we thought, everything we wanted to share with the world, all got categorized and kind of implanted into our website in a fun way that the customers and our friends and people could interact with to learn all about us. It's kind of like, you know, an online website the way we describe it is kind of like your scrapbook at home. Like if you have a family photo album or a scrapbook and people come into your home and you really want them to get to know you, you pull out that scrapbook or you pull out that photo album and you open it up and you start telling the stories about every image or every picture that they see there. And that's how we treated our website. It became an informational portal for all these resources, anything you ever wanted to know about pools and pool building, and it became this resource about anything you ever wanted to know about us as people, the way we felt about the company, the way we felt about the pools, the work that we did, the way our customers felt about us, like everything that you can possibly think of and as much as we can do. And it's not like it happened overnight or all at once. It was, that was kind of the vision for the future. 
and a little bit went into it every day. It was a constant work in progress, had so many revisions, uh, but it was something that you and I both dedicated ourselves to in different ways because mm -hmm. I was a little more of the nuts and bolts technical, getting the content, getting it there, and you really stepped it up in the communication and the video and the storytelling and becoming way more vulnerable than you ever had before. Well, I know for me, I, I've always been a bit of an open person and people seem to like to tell me stuff about them. I've just always had that way. That's one of those things. I suspect Tom is very much that way as well, that he, he brings this sense about him that people just want to tell their story about themselves. And I didn't know what to do with that. I didn't know how to craft a good story as well. And this experience, knowing that I had to be vulnerable, which I don't like to be vulnerable. I really don't. I don't like that sense of vulnerability and really really spilling my soul to the world. But I recognized how connectable that was and how valuable it is because so few people do it that when it happens, people are amazed by it. Well, when we started sharing that online in this world of people we didn't know, and here's me being vulnerable about how I feel about things and, and what I like and what I don't like and how things are, and that was, it was uncomfortable. But at the same token, it allowed me to grow through who I was as a person and recognize that, that I'm just a human being living in this meat suit of an experience, and, and it's important to share what I know, and it's important to share the, my life as it was and what I've done and, and the experiences I have. And, and they're different than someone else, and they're not better or they're not worse. They're just different. And some of us have these what we call horrible things, and some of us have these great experiences. And whatever it is, those are just experiences. But they'd be vulnerable enough to share those and share who I was as a person and recognize that my story is important. I think that's something for me that was very difficult because I'm a, I love Les Brown, Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn, all these guys that told these great stories and I would, I would watch them. I was a fanatic. I would, I would just absorb all of it and go to every seminar I could possibly go to and listen to them and I burned out CDs and burned out tapes and, you know, I... I had thousands of tapes of stuff because I wanted it to be them. And what I recognized was all they did was had a, a normal life that they told exceptional stories about. And I would listen to Les Brown going, well, yeah, if I could have done that, I could be Les Brown. And then I realized his stories were no different than mine. You know, the, the, the context of the story was no different, but his story was different than mine. Well, I just learned to tell my story. And I think that's the significant shift that happened at this summit that I happened to miss because I was traveling. You, because of what has been happening in our lives and in the pool industry and in our, in our sphere and in our world, we have so many more stories to tell that come with the social proof. Because when we started, we had an idea that it was going to change the world and we predicted we would change the industry, but we didn't know how and we didn't know when. And because we started getting the feedback that this was all happening and it's all amazing. I think when I wasn't at the summit, because you and I spend a lot of time talking with each other, mm -hmm. it, number one, forced you to interact a lot more with the other people that were there because mm -hmm. I wasn't there, you know, taking up some of that time that mm -hmm. you then occupied with, with more conversation. But the other thing is, you're in a different position now than you were six months ago, a year ago, five years ago when we started coming. And the the passion and the energy 
behind what we're doing has increased so much that it can't help but like spill out it, everywhere. It's losing everywhere. And that's the significant shift that happened. What happened in this last, the last summit we were at that I was having a discussion with Tom, that the, the summit was done when I finally had this discussion with him was, I had just been sharing. I, I decided, I was there with Katie, my daughter, love Katie, she's awesome, everyone loved her, which that, that opened up a whole new realm to talk to me, was this amazing kid, and that's a part of it as well. You not being there so that there was in that comfort zone of you and I discussing things was this amazing kid and Katie and, and what she's becoming as a young woman and that amazingness, all of that kind of opened up a, a, a more of a space for me to really talk about what we do. Because I've I've held it over the last five years, I've really held that back because it was it was private us and it was really about talking about their experiences because I'm there absorbing and learning and really that's what I want to do is continually learn. And I still do, but but it's been bubbling up in us these amazing things happening and, and you you tell the story story really well how several years ago you got the call from the National Magazine wanting to give us this Masters of a Design Award. And knowing what I was going to say when you find out what project it was, but calling me anyway, and I said, I refused, you know, I don't want to tell them no. And you knew that. I think you admitted that you knew that I wasn't going to accept it. And that was because it was it was for honoring what we had been many years before, because that project was six years old when they wanted to give it us an award for it, and I didn't want to be known for that. And I remember you calling that woman back and saying, you know, you know, he doesn't want to, to, to receive this national award for something he'd done in the past and you know maybe fill in on that if you want or my interpretation is she was sort of like dumbfounded that you didn't we didn't want this national recognition in a national magazine with pictures and descriptions and everything else but it, it you didn't. It may have been the first time anybody had told them no. I, I imagine it probably was because yeah. the rest of the world would have said oh yeah anything to get that recognition but we had gotten to that point because having studied Wallace Waddles and the science of getting rich and that living in a certain way and being in a certain way and, and putting our mind into the thinking stuff and creating the things that we really wanted, we knew that it was about what we wanted, not what someone else wanted to give us. And, and or Napoleon Hill and Think and Grow Rich and the importance of, of our thoughts and crystal clear focus backed by purpose and faith. And we had all of those things working for us. And then, on this, then them coming back and saying, well, what project would you want to be known for? I mean, that's how arbitrary these national awards are. They chose us. We didn't choose. We didn't submit. They chose us, and then they had to allow us to give them some options because we wouldn't refuse to be known for that. Those kind of things started happening. I mean, if you if you kind of put yourself back of several years ago when all of a sudden these crazy cool things happening and a customer saying to me, knowing that we're now giving everything that we could possibly give customer service-wise because we care about it, we love about it, and a customer saying to me, I would have paid 50% more and not even thought about it. Remember that conversation where it's like, what? 50% more. Think about what we did and the money we made, and he would have paid 50% more for that exact same thing. That was the project where I felt like we were already getting wheelbarrows full of cash from this customer. And then to hear that was we hadn't grown. We, as, were, we weren't there ready to quite understand that. We hadn't grown that. as much as we no. could mm -hmm. at that point. Mm -hmm. And that, that was one of those aha moments again of, really? Okay, so what are we missing? We know that the value in a product has nothing to do with the materials in the product. It has to do with the self-worth that we had. And that was another one of those boomeranging things that then has led us to this, this whirlwind of, we now have the other major magazine in the industry. We have a column in there where we 
talk philosophically about what the industry is and how we feel about it and why we do what we do to now production companies calling us about television shows and it, you know it's one thing when one production company calls it's almost a sense of it's my only chance I should do whatever they want so that I can get on TV which that's not our style anyway but when that second production company calls now who's in power we are because we decided we're only going to do what enhances the brand of who we are what we are why we are and why we exist we're going there already our online and Everything we do is online. Yeah. I mean, really, do we do any outside promotional stuff other than a, a we, few we postcards a to postcard, a little bit like to like people that know us already? People on our list mm -hmm. to remind them, mm -hmm. you know, it's time. But everything comes via the web, yeah. very, very specifically. And here's these opportunities now to produce television shows and only do. And like when we had that last interview, it was we only want to do what enhances our brand and what we are. And, and do it in a way that it makes us better and it, it requires we become better versus doing a show just to be famous which doesn't make any sense to me at all yeah. but that's that whirlwind and now we're in a, in a great position to say when we do television which may be next week for all we know but when we do television it's going to be in a way that really enhances the brand of what we are that feels right. We, feels right. We yeah. learn to listen to our feelings and we learn to do a lot of the inner work all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's not always easy, it's not always comfortable, sometimes it's exhausting, mm -hmm. but the end result is that it always feels great. You mm -hmm. know, in the moment of us, you know, the other night we were both here and we were talking about something and it was getting heavy and intellectually thick and we kind of said, okay, we got to just be done now. But then, as a result, the next morning we can wake up with renewed energy and feel. just feel so much better because we were willing to do the hard work to make the next day better and make long term and make the thoughts for the future just so yummy and so exciting. Well, and, and then we're just coming off of this pool show this past weekend. Is the, the In Novi, Michigan here, it's the only uh, pool show for residents, for customers to come in, for and for homeowners, it's an only, only homeowner show, and we happen to have that. It's a 20th anniversary. I sat in on the board designing that show 20 years ago, and it's the only one in the country that even exists. And yet, we know the people there are all this selling, 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 and it's got nothing to do with with us. So our goal for the show was to be crazy, strange, fun, funky. Make people kind of wonder what we're up to and to have fun the whole weekend. Which, it did not sell because that wasn't yeah. why we were there. We were there just sort of promoting the brand of who we were and look at the net result and how much that's significantly changed. And look at the dollars that we make per transaction. You know, our deposits on projects are larger than most projects because... From days of the past. From days of the yeah. past. And, and even now, yeah. just our past, yes, but I would imagine that the deposit we take on a project that we do is greater than most entire projects. Yeah. And that's because I think that we've shared online, people know us, they can't even get to us unless they've spent hours on our website. And, and that's a really interesting part that I think we should distinguish right here is we've created a funnel of how people can work with us. And the only way that customers work with us is if we decide. Not if they decide. Their, their decision really is insignificant they, because we, we create such yumminess 
and I know you know we 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 have this really cool ability to paint the picture because it's all about stories. We paint the picture that is so good that they can't go anywhere else, and yet we still decide if they can work with us or not. And that's another one of those pieces that not a business school in the world would teach you to do that. They would teach you the opposite, to you know appeal to the least common denominator and try to do as much as possible. And here we're trying to do as least as possible for the greatest amount of money, and it's working. And the numbers continue to go up, and we continue to charge more for the service that we're doing, which then allows more money to create better customer service, which means we can interact in a better way. And it's this continually up, upflow cycle versus what we've seen in our industry is everyone chasing to the bottom, the least common denominator, which is price, and everyone beating each other at price to the point where no one's making any money. And that's, that's a real challenge to, to witness that because we've certainly seen that happen, especially over that 2008, 9, and 10 of the, the, you know, everyone complaining about the economy and everything else is everyone chased themselves to the bottom. Most of them went out of business because you can't sustain that. You can't sustain being at the bottom. It's pretty tough to be at the bottom and survive. And yet we've seen just the opposite happen. If we've risen way beyond because of what's happening online. So to wrap this up, in a way for Tom and for the, any of the network, um, any of the, the really cool people that will be watching this. What do you think the, the biggest impact of being involved with the Tom Hill organization has been and kind of life lessons that we've gleaned from that? For me, I, I think the greatest lesson is something that I'd heard many, many years ago and I only fully understood when I learned to understand when being involved with them is you become like the people you associate with which is a term that I've always used to my children without fully understanding it and you become the sum total of the average of the five people you hang around the most and I do know that not everyone in the world is as fortunate as I am to hang around these fabulously amazing people who have had success in their life but are seeking significance who better in the world for me to hang around than that. People who are open and honest and willing to share and willing to love me enough and love me through my stuff to allow me to be like that as well. And I've had my share of successes and failures and we've talked about those. They don't mean, they don't mean anything other than they're a part of my story and who I am. But the most impactful part is Tom's created this group of people who cares and they care about you as a person, and they care about you as a company, and here we, we're on this roller coaster ride of yumminess, of awesomeness, of amazingness, of, I, don't, I can't even describe the, you know, there's yeah. every word, possible positive word you could use fits right into what we're talking about, and it's because of him and his willingness to let us in, yeah. kind of, his, his knowingness to let us in, his feelingness to let us in his whatever those things are that's allowed him to believe enough in us that we're the real deal for who we are because we are exactly who we are online as we are offline and we don't we're, we're not pretentious and we don't pretend anything whether it's online or off but he obviously saw something in us to allow us to be a part of an amazing group yeah so thank you Tom for being such an integral, inspiring, and amazing part of my life and of Al's life and of our uh, now future generations to come because of what we're all able to do as a result of being involved with you. 
and we think about like those future generations and our children who are surrounded with us because we speak it all the time because of people like Tom that can give us those words and those inspirations and allow us to grow as people and that that is really huge because that doesn't exist nearly enough in the world and my hope and my dream is to help expand his ability to share with the world knowing that what we've done online because all of our business is online really it's it's taking a whole new perspective of how we've built this fabulous business but it all comes from this online world which gives us an ability that most people don't have is how can you really translate an offline business and bring it all online and then sell you know the, the six-figure swimming pools that we do from online it's really kind of cool and I hope that we you and I both can help Tom take his organization that next step.